Welcome to the Higher Potential Living Podcast, where we discuss improving quality of life by exploring mind, body, and spirit through a mindful lens. Here's your host, Jason Marichello. Hello, and thanks for joining once again on this episode of Higher Potential Living Podcast. I am joined by Cam Frazier. Now, Cam has studied a wide variety of subjects. I'm excited to have him on the show. He studied Western psychology, sexology, counseling, psychotherapy at a number of different institutions. He's taken so many courses on relationships, tantric practices and neo-tantric practices. He is a certified yoga instructor. He's also traveled all around the world, gaining some real life experience there as well. His work as a coach is getting more and more well-known, and uh, he has his own podcast, which uh, is actually how I found Cam, which you can check out at Men's Sex and Pleasure Podcast. So make sure you check that out as well. We had a great conversation about breaking some of the stigmas around even talking about sex and sexuality, and we got into a little bit more about the side of things from a male's perspective. Now, I do plan on having another podcast very soon where we get to dive a little bit deeper on the female's perspective on the subject. But here's Cam. I hope you enjoy. All right. Welcome, everybody. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by the one and only Cam Frazier. Cam, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm pretty good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I'm glad we can make this work. We have a bit of a, a time zone difference between us because uh, based on your accent, some of the listeners might already know if they don't know who you are, but you're from uh, the other side of the world. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm actually originally from the UK. I was born in North London, but my home is uh, Western Australia, specifically now Margaret River. If for people that know their Western Australian geography, it's a pretty niche uh, subject, but uh, I'm in the beautiful Southwest coast of Western Australia. Yeah, I've been to Margaret River, absolutely love it. But that's not what we're, we're talking about today. Um, although we probably could do a whole podcast on <laughs> Australian culture, jargon, and all that fun stuff. But uh, I, I recently kind of discovered you just this year. I, I don't, you've been kind of doing your thing for a while, but I remember the moment a friend of mine, because you have your own podcast, you have all this other stuff on the go, but a friend of mine shared with me one of your podcast episodes and said, this blew my mind. I don't know how much you know about this stuff, but give this guy a listen. And so I listened to uh, episode one and I'm trying to remember, is that the one that's titled what was that one about? That was from caveman to multi-orgasmic man, wasn't it? Yeah, with one of my good friends, Nick Spadaccini. Yeah, and even the title in itself, good clickbait. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, I was like, okay, I got to give this a listen. So uh, listen to it. And there's some amazing content there that really opened my eyes to, you know, even redefining how I saw myself as uh, masculine and as a man. And it's been some of the things that I've talked about in some of my men's group but you have a really great way of putting it into a context that's a lot more accessible for the average person to start to explore and really feel um, that it's safe to do so. So before we get so deep down the rabbit hole that way, uh, it's a pretty niche kind of thing and a brave thing that you've decided to kind of gear your life towards. So what kind of like started this whole process for you of saying, you know what, I want to start to open people's eyes up and educate people on, on our bodies and, and, what we can do with them. 
Um, yeah, man, I, I guess it was the, like, it was my own lived experience. You know, I was, um, to, to kind of wrap this up in as much of a nutshell as possible, I, when I was in my late teens, early 20s, was bouncing between premature ejaculation, was suffering from erectile dysfunction, was watching a lot of porn, was really having difficulty connecting intimately with my sexual partners. Um, I was I was in America at the time. I actually spent five years going to college over in the States and I was playing collegiate sport. I was a soccer player. And so I was in this locker room culture, I suppose, quite uh, misogynistic, uh, a lot of machismo flying around and just was not in a very good mental health space. You know, I, I was really internally conflicted. I'd never been like a really masculine man in that kind of stereotypical sense i was never this quote-unquote alpha right the unironic term alpha male um and and so i was like not only was i kind of ostracized from the main group of stereotypically masculine jock type guys i also kind of didn't really fit in i was i was an australian over in america as well so i kind of had that um dynamic kind of going on and and yeah i just found myself in a really bad mental health space Mm -hmm. and I was drinking a lot as well Uh, there was probably about a five-year period where I didn't like I can't remember any time in that five years being sexual with someone and being sober like every single sexual encounter was fueled Mm -hmm. by alcohol as well and the the, I guess the kind of thing that changed all that for me was um, an injury I seriously injured my lower back I fractured my my spine and it was part of my rehabilitation was to was to go to clinical Pilates was to do um, you know, some pretty intense rehab and to supplement my Pilates I was encouraged to go and do yoga and it was kind of like the first time in my life you know when I did this yoga that I'd actually listened to my body you know, I actually slowed down and I started to breathe and I started to release tension that I'd been holding on for years and had this you know, realization because it'd been many times in, in these yoga classes, halfway through a class that I would just break down in tears or that all this anger would kind of come to the surface and I'd want to just like storm out of the, the class or, or throw my roller across the room or whatever it is. And, and I kind of realized that I'd been storing these emotions in my body you know as as tension as tightness and by physically releasing them like somatically releasing them i was starting to unlock for want of a better word these emotional feelings that i suppressed and pushed down and not allowed myself to feel because you know being a guy especially a young guy in in america um in that collegiate kind of athlete athlete culture you weren't allowed to feel anything like it was Mm -hmm. you just going you know fuck women pretty much that was like the only thing you were allowed to do and um and so i kind of had this huge realization that i was like i've got all this stuff inside of me that really goes against this stereotypically masculine way of behaving and um and the more that i learned about my body the more that i learned how to breathe the more that i tapped into the emotions i was feeling i noticed that my sexual experiences were getting better were improving you know i wasn't so tense and so tight when i was being sexual so i didn't come too quickly um i was enjoying myself more i was actually experiencing more pleasure so i didn't have any um, i had less erection issues 
And because I was more comfortable kind of expressing myself, I, I started intimately connecting better with the people that I was being sexual with. So, and I, I had this like light bulb moment that, you know, there's something to this, you know, there, there's more to sex and there's more to masculinity and there's more to our experiences uh, than just you know, what I'd been kind of conditioned to believe through that really narrow lens of, of uh, like, if you want to use the word toxic masculinity, um, that was kind of my framework for being a guy. And at the same time that this was all happening to me, I was also studying psychology and, um, and philosophy as well, but psychology really is what's pertinent to this story. And the kind of realization I had is like psychology and talk therapy and yoga therapy and, and body work and massage is all like, they're kind of doing the same thing. They have the same end goal, but they're just approaching it in two different ways. And there wasn't really a lot of, overlap between those two modalities you know it's kind of like you set up camp in one or the other and you don't interact with um you know the other the other type of modality so i was really intrigued by that 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 area of overlap that area in the middle mm-hmm. and so that that inspired me to go and to go and find out what that looked like and and you know that took me to um south america for example for um some plant medicine journeys it took me to uh, it took me over east to um, to study Buddhism firsthand. So I, I, I ordained as a, a Theravadan Buddhist monk um, and spent a, a couple of months in a monastery in northern Thailand. Um, it took me to India to, to kind of study not only classical but also neo-tantra. Um, it took me to California and um, you know, the, the beautiful areas um, around there, specifically Lake Tahoe, to study like sacred sexuality. Um, I was into Kundalini yoga as well. So I had like all these really intense experiences that, um, I felt were all trying to achieve the same thing. Uh, and, and they're all doing it from like this spiritual or pseudo spiritual, um, body based experiential avenue. And I was like, wow, they're doing some awesome stuff. But I was also really interested in like the, the academic side of things as well. I was like, why is, does this all work? What's the actual mechanisms that's mm. making this a thing? And so I wanted to complement my experiential work, you know, my, my firsthand experiences with some, some book learning. Uh, so I went to university in, in Australia to do my postgraduate degree in sexology and a study of human you know, sexuality, human sexual behavior. And that's kind of, you know, where I'm now, I'm still in Perth, still in WA. Um, yeah, and I, I had this, um, idea to niche specifically in like my own lived experience, which is, you know, I'm a cisgender heterosexual white dude from Australia. So that's kind of like the content that I put out is kind of geared towards that demographic of people. And really it's geared toward that, that demographic because I try and speak to myself like 10 years ago, you know, when I was 17, 18, 19, what, what's the stuff that I needed to hear as a young white guy in America? You know, what's, if I, if I needed a role model, what type of role model would, would I need? And, and that's the type of person that I try and speak to. That's kind of my avatar, I suppose, is myself 10 years ago. And, um, it's I important found like- to say too, that, you know, yes, you 10 years ago, 17 year old, but there's still so many people that are still in that same conditioned mindset that, you know, whether you're 17, 30, 50, 60 years old, that some of those conditionings run so deep. And you talked about that turning point being 
the lower back injury leading to the, you to yoga and learning about some of that psychosomatic connection of how the trauma has been written inside of your, your very physical being. Mm. There's, I, I just see in our own classes, even when some of that comes up, cause you know, we run yoga classes here and you're never doing a hip opening class without somebody crying or a heart opening class without, you know, some sometimes anger and stuff coming up, but it takes a level of courage to say, well, where is this coming from? What is this about? Because again, like taking that extra step into listening after it's been there rather than, no, no, that's scary. We don't want to touch that. Like that's where the real work is coming from. So, you know, you, not specifically 17 year olds, because I'm sure with the work that you're putting out there, there are people of all walks of life, all ages um, that can really get a lot of benefit. And, and your podcast and some of your work is uh, geared a lot towards that uh, cisgender white male, that demographic, but I've shared it with so many people of so many other demographics that are also getting so much out of it. I find so many women that I talk to that I share your podcast with are really getting a lot out of it because ultimately, you know, when we're relating with people in general, all those things that are happening behind the scenes eventually come into play. Like those women that you maybe were spending those, uh, having those relations with in college where you were all up in your head and, you know, you were having a hard time or feeling bad about the way you were performing. From our perspective, we're thinking all us, 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 you know, that was bad for me. How did I do this? This is so embarrassing for me. I've embarrassed myself in front of this woman. But every individual is walking around with their own other bag of trauma that they're trying to unravel. So how is that yeah. affecting that woman as well, too? So I think there's so much to unpack uh, in general about the work that you're you're putting out there. Even just hearing your story, I was trying to think about myself, like, when when was my turning point of getting out of that you know, conditioning of typical masculinity, because I didn't have the the sports background necessarily, wasn't playing soccer or anything, but I grew up as a, a hunter. I grew up in construction work, you know, other platforms of very dominant, like when I asked for a green tea, when someone would go for, you know, the coffee run on the job site, I wouldn't hear the end of it for the rest of the day, mm. you know? And like, I even thinking back to the days of uh, when I was hunting, that was so much, they used to have this thing and, and you know, I'm, I'm vegan now, not that this podcast is going to go in that direction, but um, big, big shift took place there in between. But this idea of if you shot a moose, it would provide a lot of meat for the group that you were with and they would make you king for the day. And I remember being like a teenage boy with this powerful rifle in my hand and the whole thought in my head wasn't about you know, the food, not about the sustenance. It wasn't about giving respect to the animal or connecting with nature at that point in time. It was all like, how do I gain the respect from all these other men? And mm. that was the driving factor of why I was hunting, which is coming at it from a completely, in my mind, uh, backward perspective. But the piece that you talked about that I really resonate with is that connection between the philosophy and the science. And I'm finding with a lot of the people that I'm working with, like that middle ground opens up so many doorways for people who are kind of on the edge of skepticism with so much of the metaphysical stuff that can come into this. Like even talking about psychosomatic connection for some people is like, okay, if I can't see it, I don't believe it kind of thing. But there is yeah. a lot of amazing research out there, a lot of amazing science that can back up so much of this kind of stuff. So, you know, after you've done all of this traveling now and everything else, like what was the 
first area of focus? How did you first start spreading this message out there and working with people? Well, it was actually through yoga. Like I, I branded myself as a, a tantric yoga teacher, but it was really, it was like neo-tantric and it's important, at least in, in my opinion, to distinguish between those two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, I was really talking about like moving the body. I was like, okay, look, here's, here's some real practical ways of releasing tension from your body. And the reason why you want to release tension is because if you are tight, you feel less pleasure. And if you're feeling less pleasure, you're going to have a less enjoyable sexual experience. So very, very simply, very, very practically, very straightforward. If you open up your hips and release tension from your pelvic floor, you're going to be able to feel more, feel more pleasure. And if you feel more pleasure, you're going to have better sex. Mm -hmm. That was my like very simple framework. And the analogy that I I lent on quite often was like a clenched fist. Like if you clench your fist like really, really tight, really, really hard, and then like notice what you feel in that clenched fist, it's like very typically just this like dull, monotonal aching sensation of tension in your fist. Mm-hmm. Not much else you can feel on top of that. You can, you can touch your fist and, and you're still kind of layering sensation on top of that dull ache. But if you relax the hands and relax and open your fist and, and allow yourself to, to, you know, just breathe and just kind of be present with with what it is that you're feeling and then start to touch your hand you notice way more sensations you notice way more you know um you, you have much broader experience of, of sensation i suppose and and i was like look that is the same thing that applies to your whole body right and, and if you're going into a sexual experience which is very um it, it, people tighten up right people it stresses a lot of people out when they go into a sexual encounter because we don't really know about it it's still quite taboo for people um your body is going to tense up right and, and i often get people to think about a sexual experience where they maybe have have tightened up and whether it's by themselves or with another person and just by simply breathing by by simply doing a few stretches before you become you know sexual with someone you can firstly if you're a person in the male body you'll get an erection easier because you won't be so in your head so to speak uh, you'll probably last longer as well because you know the way that the nervous system works the sympathetic nervous system that tension tightness in your body is responsible for your ejaculation so you you won't ejaculate as quickly because you won't won't activate that part of your nervous system so soon um if you're a, a person in a in a female body you you'll relax more through the pelvic area which allows for more sensation so you'll feel more pleasure making it easier to potentially orgasm if that's your goal um, so it was just a very, very straightforward and very practical um, was my, I kind of call it like um, a yoga class with a whole bunch of sex ed involved. And, okay. um, and, and that was a really good avenue for me for, for a while because I, you know, I, I kind of had long hair and I was wearing the mala beads and I looked the part as well. Um, but I was always like really mindful, maybe mindful is not the right word here, but I was, I was really concerned about how I was being portrayed, like how I was coming across. Cause I was just like super aware and vigilant of the fact that I was a guy talking about sex and sexuality and particularly in the yoga space, which was, um, my classes were dominated by women. Like there was probably only one or two men in a class full of 30 people, um, myself being one of those men. And so I was like, really, I really put on a mask in, the, in, in a sense. I was, I was, I made sure I didn't do any um, hands-on adjustments. I made sure that I was like really contained, if I want to use that word, with regards to my own sexuality. 
like I, I was almost like you know just kind of closed down and suppressed my own sexuality and was just very like information focused on the class because I didn't want to come across as that creepy guy who talks about sex and who's interested in sex and and get labeled whatever and then I had a realization um doing this for a couple of years I was like god I'm not being myself here I'm not being authentic I'm not mm-hmm. like I, I had to like have a hard look at myself and be like I'm not doing this for the wrong reasons I'm not one of those creepy guys I'm not one of these guru figures who manipulates their students into having sex with him so why am I concerned about being one of them if I know that I'm not so I kind of was like well I got to kind of pull this mask off and and actually be you know be passionate about what it is that I'm doing and, and the reason why I'm doing it and and so that's when I started to incorporate more um I would say like experiential things. So I started, you know, um, incorporating some more touch into the classes. I encouraged other people to touch one another in the classes. I, um, w- I would encourage, you know, if you wanted to take off an item of clothing, you're welcome to do that. And started to incorporate a little bit more, maybe freedom um, and authenticity into into the way that I taught, and just allowed a bit more of my own sexual presence or sexual leadership to kind of come through and when I started doing that, when I kind of took that mask off and started showing up a bit more authentically, people started really resonating with the work. They were like, well, this guy's like really embodying what he's teaching as well. You know, I was talking about my own experiences and sharing with the classes. So, and that was like a big realization for me that it was important to not only talk the talk, but to walk the walk as well, right? Is to kind of embody what it is that you teach. And, and that has now transitioned into coaching rather than specifically yoga um, and that's the avenue that I suppose I use for my work today just because I, I kind of drifted out of the really spiritual community and I, I think it's really important and this is just kind of my own path that I've taken but I think it's really important to bring this particular work into uh, my my mentor likes to say into the matrix right or into the mainstream because right. um, they're necessary I mean for the most part, they're the people that need it the most, right? They're, they're the ones that haven't even started their journey. Um, and they're, they're the ones that need the, the sexuality education, uh, at least in my mind, the, the most. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm unpacking a lot of where you went there because one of the things that actually just came to me, which isn't really specific about what I thought we would talk about in this podcast is it's not uh, a conversation that I often get to talk about is that feeling of being a male yoga teacher teaching yoga classes and it it i can totally resonate and uh you know i do yoga teacher training as well and it's it's been my students who have really been the ones to try to bring that lesson across because there's been <laughs> there's been times where um i have had my wife in one of my yoga classes and so when she's there yeah i'm demonstrating like okay so here's you know where you can really start to feel this half moon pose if i put you up against the wall and i place my hand on your hip here and i i squeeze here and i press here and all this kind of stuff and then having some of my students like no no no, come and do that to me pretend i'm your wife and you know it's playful (laughs) and it's fun and all this kind of stuff but i think as men we build that up in our heads so much is like how are we going to be perceived and Mm. you know one of the things that you talked about is bringing more sexuality into your class. And I think part of the conditioning that we have is when we hear the word sexuality, especially in a public setting like that, instantly, a lot of people's minds will go to like, oh no, creepy yoga Mm -hmm. guy, you know, that might be my wife or my daughter in that class or something like that. And I think that's so much of the work that needs to be um, addressed in this field is what is sexuality? 
what does it actually mean? Like sexuality doesn't mean that I am a primal ape that's just going to go around touching whatever I want and, you know, uh, <laughs> taking whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want it. You know, there's all these other layers that I think it's really important to to look at with this. Because I, I recently had a conversation with uh, some friends of mine, because I have a group of friends that's, you know, mixed men, women, uh, everything in between. And we've talked about, you know, sexual tension within a friend group. And it was a big conversation around like, yeah, but what's wrong with not necessarily sexual tension, but recognizing sexual energy within a group of friends, recognizing that, you know, you still have made specific boundaries that are there due to agreements within the group, or maybe sometimes there are boundaries that we set there because of just socially accepted boundaries. But to still say like, oh, there's an attractive looking person walking down the street. And I recognize that that is um, bringing up some energy for me and it's moving some things for me. There's nothing wrong with that, whether you're a married man, woman or, you know, whatever. This is moving energy. Yet there's so much stigma behind even using the word sexual, mm. uh, sexual energy or, or sexuality into anything like that. So totally, how man. that was and... met when you brought that into a public setting? Well, the, one of the biggest resistances that I had to work through myself and one of the biggest resistances that I see pop up when I work with people around sexuality and bring that into their work or into their relationship or into whatever it is that they're doing is, and this is particularly with regards to men, is like the perception that we have or this like cultural narrative that we have, which is that men's sexuality or men's sexual expression is like aggressive and violent and takes you know and, and it takes what it wants and it's like this monstrous primitive kind of way of expressing sexuality it's like I, and i even see like the tantra sacred sexuality community kind of talking about men's sexuality or male sexuality in this in this kind of same vein it's like penetrative and it's like directive and it's assertive and it's like you know and it takes no prisoners type of you know language that's used and um and so like when when I was like, okay, how do I bring more of my own? Because I'm a male, I'm a, I'm a man, I identify as a man. How do I bring more of my sexual expression into my classes? Um, what does that look like for me? Does it have to be penetrative? And does it have to be assertive and dominant and aggressive and violent like this narrative that we have around male sexual expression is? Um, and so like going on a bit of a journey to like figure out that my sexuality doesn't have to look like that, that I don't have to express myself this particular way that it's maybe just enough for me to kind of feel a little bit of pleasure and arousal in my body and not even to have an erection for example like that's another thing that gets conflated with men's sexual sexuality is that like there's erections involved and then that lends itself to this idea that you need to penetrate with your erection and it kind of snowballs from there so mm. i was like does it does it feel enough for me to just be aroused and just kind of like allow that pleasure to kind of move through my body and can i feel that in my chest can i feel it in my balls can i feel it in my neck and my face and my fingers and can i just experience it and then just allow that to kind of make me feel good right in a in a class and and can i just like feel you know in can i feel in enjoyment of that and and can i let that enjoyment kind of come through in the way that i'm talking in the way that i in the way that i'm describing things you know can i can i use that experience to then like 
encourage someone to check how they're feeling. You know, if I feel pleasure in the bridge of my nose and in the tips of my fingers, which is something that you know, I do feel, can I draw someone else's awareness to that? Like, hey, how does it feel in the bridge of your nose? You know, I feel this pleasure when I, you know, when I get close to orgasming, I, I feel this pleasure through my sinuses. You know, what do you feel when, when you get close to orgasming? It's like, oh, wow. Now I've got this kind of invitation to, to check in with, with what's going on for me. And, and so that, that was a journey that I had to go through and, and figure out my, myself because I was under that same conditioning of like, this is what men's sexual expression should look like. This is what male sexuality should look like. And, and something you mentioned before with regards to hunting was like, if you, um, it, the way that you framed it was like, you're doing this to seek validation, right? To seek respect and to be accepted by this group of men. Um, and the same thing kind of goes in a sexual sense or with regards to sexuality and, and guys talking about it is like, you know, when I was in college, the, the, my sexual expression conformed to what I thought would get respect and would get validated by the group of mates that I had, you know, by yeah. the group of men in my life. And, and so undoing all that and being like, actually, I don't want to express myself like that, or I don't want to hunt for that particular reason, or I don't want to do this particular thing to perform a certain way in order to seek respect and to be okayed by my group of male friends um, is something that I, I also work with a lot of guys around as well. It's like, look, you can express your sexuality in a whole host of different ways. It doesn't have to look this one particular way. Yes, that is one particular way of expressing it, but you don't have to be limited to that. It doesn't have to be narrowed down to this one specific way. So um, that's, I actually forgotten what your actual question was, man, but I, I, um, I, I feel like that's, uh, that, that's summing up what it is that I want to say. Yeah, no, it's perfect because going that full circle, like I think so much in no matter what field we get into, I think one of the oversimplifications, uh, traps that we fall into is this, um, kind of like grouping people like, okay, so this is the perfect diet for everybody. This is the perfect you know, way of acting for everybody. And this is the best way to find pleasure for every one of this um, grouping of genitalia and like all this kind of stuff. And it's so overly simplified when I look at, so I, I realized that I didn't finish that aspect of, you know, finding that shift in that masculinity for me. I think one of the big shifts for me was drama class in high school. And that sounds really silly, but as long as I was able to like tell myself Oh, or like almost like pass it off. Like, oh, don't worry, guys. Um, you know, the real me, which is the macho me, it'll be back in just a second, but I'm going to put on a character now. And this character can uh, dress and act in any way, shape, form that it wants to. Where in reality, what was happening is I was taking off the character finally of this macho masculine person. And I was actually able to let my true self kind of come off, but it was almost like a, a bit of an excuse of like, oh, you know, I can, and, and it's, it may sound, but it was like, okay, I think I wore a dress in, in a play once or something like that. And there's no way that, you know, quotes, air quotes here, regular Jason would do that, but in a play, it's totally acceptable and like mm. finding avenues, but the fact that it had to get justified in that, that kind of way is I think a, a lot of the, the issues that we're talking about and how we're framing this masculinity in one of the other big things, this only happened recently that really made me see that there's no like one model here. And I think I've shared this story uh, with you a while back, but was in uh, a sweat lodge and the sweat lodge was a group of, I think we had 21 men in this sweat. It was a full sweat. And it seemed like around this time, this was maybe two years ago, around this time, 
it, most of the men there were having some sort of relationship issues. And uh, for the sweat lodge, you know, everyone was naked. We get in there, very hot temperatures. I remember one point in time, this very large man, or for like stereotypic, uh, stereotyping here, he's like six foot something and like just built like an ox. That idea of like, oh yeah, there's a man's man. And at one point he just started sobbing. He just started sobbing. And what happened was I was in the center of the sweat and one one of the men there just started one of the brothers as we would refer to them started like cradling his head and just like stroking his hair and then one of the other guys just put his hand on his heart and just like really felt his heart and breathed with him through what he was going through and a couple of uh, others of us we kind of started chanting a little bit and it was such an eye-opener because nothing felt off there nothing felt like it was you know, homosexual or cisgender or straight, like there were no labels. We weren't putting labels on anything. It was, here's a group of guys that are just feeling what's needed in this space and expressing accordingly. He needed mm -hmm. to get something out. We felt the call to support him. And there was nothing there in the back of the mind of like, you didn't realize that you're all naked here and sweaty and you're touching each other and holding each other and all this kind of stuff. It was just a beautiful experience of whether you want to call it you know, the masculine balancing out the feminine or just people being people. It was such a beautiful, empowering experience. And I shifted so much of how I was working with people and coaching and all that after that point, because uh, I, I've shared with you and I've talked a little bit on this podcast too, about some of like the suicide uh, intervention work and mental health work I do. And I've had 17, 18, 19 year old um, guys in my office with me who are you know, down on themselves, talking about self-harm and stuff like that. And the root cause being, I'm the last of my friends to lose my virginity. Or, mm -hmm. you know, I don't feel like I'm uh, performing well in bed and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, how, how that is the main thing on their mind when, you know, I have the whole life ahead of them. You're 18, 19 years old. You can be like, the world is your oyster at that point in time. And yet this feeling like I'm failing in life because I haven't lost my virginity yet. It's, it's um, yeah, man, all the power to the work that you're doing and the way that you're trying to spread this forward. Thanks. So, another question that I have written down here, cause I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm like, okay, watching the clock and looking at this long list of things <laughs> that I have, like which ones can I touch on before we run out of time? But you talked about the tightness in the body. And when I started going down this road of like exploring how I transmute this energy, whether it's, you want to call it that, uh, a kundalini energy, sacral energy, whatever you want to call it. When I started going in that field, it brought up a lot of memories for me of the shame that led to that tightness. So that tightness you talked about in the pelvic floor or just in the general in, uh, body when we are experiencing pleasure. But if we think about the way we encourage or the opposite of that, how we discourage um, things like self-pleasure and all this kind of stuff. Like as a teenage boy, it's like, get this done as quickly as possible. Hide it as, as much as possible. Don't let anybody know that you're doing any of this kind of stuff because you don't want to have those conversations with your parents. You don't want people to know any of this. So it's like you're training your body from a very young age to just get it over with, hide it, cover any evidence, and then feel shameful about it. So it's no wonder that we have so much tension that we hold in our body whenever we go down the road of trying to, even with another partner, experiencing pleasure. So you talked about like letting go, 
of some of the tension, but what are some exercises that you kind of prescribe for people to help break down not only some of the physical tension, but the mental tension and conditioning that we have with that? Well, you'll probably be across this, but diaphragmatic breathing is just a straight up um, game changer. Like we, and this was like, it feels like a no brainer now, but when I first started like learning how to breathe properly, it blew my mind how many people, myself included, don't breathe correctly, right? I don't, don't know how to breathe deep down into our belly, down into our diaphragm um, and engage the parasympathetic nervous system and actually release um, tension and tightness from, from our you know, muscular skeletal system. So that'd be my like first port of call. My first piece of advice is take a moment to lie down on your back in a constructive rest position, you know, semi-supine, knees bent, feet on the ground, uh, place like a pillow underneath your head if you like, not necessarily, but and then grab a shoe or grab a, a book, place one book on your chest, place one book on like just below your sternum on your on your diaphragm and just practice breathing into that lower book, breathing into that book that's on your on your sternum on your diaphragm. Take a deep breath in, you know, through the nose and see if you can keep that book on your chest nice and you know nice and steady, nice and flat without your chest kind of heaving. And just train yourself to, to breathe in a different way. Uh, and by doing that, you start to notice that you're transitioning into a different part of your nervous system. You know, Wim Hof has been talking about this for years now, um, but it's, it's just like a really simple, practical way of engaging a different part of your, your nervous system. And, and the nervous system is, is like the fulcrum here for a lot of the, our experiences. So if you can specifically engage in one, you know, one certain area of your nervous system, it's going to be... Um, really beneficial for you so that'd be like my, my first piece of advice is just like learn how to breathe um, there's plenty of uh, resources online for that but then like a really another really simple thing that i found really beneficial for myself and that i teach quite often is like a self-massage and specifically a self-massage around your genitals and around your inner thighs and around your groin and your perineum that space in between your genitals and your anus and and even like your anus as well. Like we hold so much tension and tightness in our rectum and in our sphincters, um, but even just massaging the glutes and the hips and things like that. Because oftentimes, this, this is especially true for men, but I think this just is across the board, um, something that's a universal is whenever we engage with our genitals, whenever we, whenever we touch our genitals, we're either cleaning them or we're going to the toilet or we're masturbating, right? There's never, any like oh i'm just going to touch and massage and give love and and give intention and and give awareness and and um attention to my cock or to my testicles or to my vulva or to you know my labia or whatever it might be um so just like massaging with a little bit of coconut oil or whatever type of oil you have and and releasing tension from from this area of your body like you would in your shoulder or like you would in your back you're just treating it like another area of your body, not something that's dirty or not something that's unclean or not something that's um, you know, explicit, but just treating it as another part of your body and, and releasing by doing some massage is like a really beneficial way of firstly, like building more awareness of your genitals. Uh, and we know there's been plenty of uh, studies done on this, that the more awareness you have of your genitals, the more pleasure you'll experience, the better your sex will be. But also then you're releasing tension because you're actually massaging all these muscles in the pelvic diaphragm, in the hips and in the glutes. So 
um, that's another really simple way of, of starting to release tension. And, and you made a great point. One of, the, one of the things to be aware of is when you start to release tension and, and, and you know, stored emotions from, from this area of the body, specifically the pelvis and the anus, it's important to be aware that shame is going to come up for you. You'll, you'll probably experience those feelings of shame because like I was sharing my own experience before, like we, we um, store those feelings in our tension and in, in our tight muscles. And when you start to release them and start to relax the muscles, those things will start to bubble up to the surface. Those feelings of shame and guilt and fear and anxiety will probably start to bubble up. So it's important to have some processes in place, whether it's you share them with a counselor or whether you have your own, you know, um, mindfulness practice or whatever it might be to manage those feelings that come up for you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's funny because it almost seems like it should make too much sense. If you have <laughs> tension in your shoulders, you're going to massage your shoulders. Um, a lot of us hold it in our, our lower back and, you know, stuff like this. And we're seeing massage therapists, we're seeing chiropractors, we're seeing osteopaths and all this kind of stuff, because we know, that when we're holding tension in these parts in our bodies, we can't use those body parts as well. If I have tight shoulders, I'm not going to be able to rock climb as well as I, you know, do when I'm all loose and everything. And yet mm. because these, these other parts of our bodies, like all the parts that you mentioned, even just like inner thighs, glutes and all this kind of stuff. Like even then I remember the first time getting a, um, a full body massage when they started getting around my glutes it was like no 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 this was, it was a man giving me this massage and it was like no, no no men don't touch each other in these parts of the body and i actually think mm. I, I ended up storing more tension there than when i started the massage but it just now that you kind of lay it out like that yeah it would make so much sense to release some of the tension in these parts and not be focusing like okay well once now that i've started touching my genitals or something i might as well quote unquote finish because I think mm. that's another big thing that you talk a lot about in the work that you do is who prescribes what the ending is for any kind of pleasure practice or how an ending looks like. Sometimes it can just be a big breath in and like, ah, this has been a really great way to connect. And it doesn't need to end with any kind of ejaculation or uh, orgasm in the way that we would typically identify an orgasm or anything like that. Because I think so much of the time too, we're we're stopping ourselves from going on that practice because it's like oh no this doesn't feel right or you know i'm it just doesn't seem like the right time to experience an orgasm or even with um couples i know people that i've talked to because i've done a little bit of work with couples too is it's kind of like there's times where we won't even kiss because you know kissing is going to feel like there's pressure that we end up having to go to a penetration style um sex engagement and we I don't want that I, or I have trauma against that or something like that. So I know another big piece of the work you do is like redefining some of this stuff for people between what um, orgasms can be, what sexual encounters. I watched uh, one of your YouTube videos recently where you tore apart this, this video on, uh, what was it? Like how to become an alpha male or something like that. But you know, a big thing that you talked about there was to breaking down this idea of you know, sex needs to be about penetration, genital focused. So like, I was wondering if you could speak a little bit even to to that, Like, you even mentioned in that video about how foreplay is an outdated concept of like, this needs to be the thing that preludes what we're really here to, you know, do. Mm. That. 
So can you speak to some of that language component that can uh, lead to just some of the ways we can look at this differently? Totally, man. The, the mentality that I often use to describe this is like the productive member of society mindset, right? Like we're conditioned to like be goal oriented and to achieve things and to be this productive member of society. Like everything we need, everything needs to produce something. Everything that we do has to have a a tangible thing at the end of it so that we know, right, either for ourselves or for the people that are observing us that we accomplished something, that there was a point to it. Uh, we, we, we shouldn't waste time. We're encouraged not to be selfish. We're encouraged not to waste time and, uh, because time is money and we need to be you know, always progressing and, and going towards this, this thing that we are trying to achieve. And that mentality doesn't just end when we start being sexual. Right? We bring that mentality into the bedroom, so to speak. We bring it into our sexual experiences. And so that looks like goal-oriented sex. And what goal-oriented sex looks like is sex has to achieve something now. We have got to accomplish something with our sex. And what's the most logical thing that that could accomplish is that orgasm or is, for people that have penises, is an ejaculation. And so I often ask couples and men particularly, is like, when was the last time you masturbated or had sex and didn't ejaculate and didn't orgasm? And most of the time I just get blank stares and guys are like, what are you talking about? That's the whole point. It's yeah. the reason why I masturbate, you know, is so that I can come. And it's like, okay, well, do you think then that there's this, you know, either overt because that's the reason why you're doing it or underlying goal then behind your experience, right? Um, and usually that's a bit of a light moment. Like, yeah, I do. Like that is the reason why I masturbate is to get to that end goal. And so if you're focusing only on the end goal and not focusing on the, the process, on the journey, Right, the, the journey rather than the, the destination, then you're missing all of that, um, all the beautiful nuance and the build-up and the pleasure to be had in that whole experience. So I, I often encourage men and couples, um, heterosexual couples, to experiment with taking ejaculation off the table or just take the goal out of your sexual encounter or your sexual experience. And by doing that, it opens up this, it invites the question of like, okay, what else is there? You know, if, if we're not heading towards ejaculation, if we're not heading towards orgasm, what else can we experience? What else is there to do? What else is there to, mm-hmm. to um, you know, what's, what stories come up for us? This is especially true for, for um, heterosexual couples. If you're taking ejaculation off the table and you're saying, okay, let's, let's have sex without, without coming, without him ejaculating. Some stories that very often come up when that, when that is intentionally done is firstly like, is he enjoying himself? Like we've we conf- conflated men's pleasure with coming. So like if he doesn't come, oh, fuck, did he actually enjoy himself? Is he actually experiencing pleasure? And guys will tell you, like, yeah, I, I, even though I didn't come, I still had a good time. I still enjoyed myself. You know, I still experienced pleasure. I'm not just limited to that five-second sticky white crotch sneeze. Although right. that's the mentality that a lot of us have. Um, so like that's a story that can come up is like, oh, is he actually enjoying himself? Um, another story can come up is like, is something wrong if he doesn't ejaculate? Is there, is there something wrong with him? Um, typically a story that comes up for women in that scenario is, oh my God, is there something wrong with me? Am I not hot enough? Am I not sexy enough? Am I not doing that thing that he wants or that he, that he has seen in porn? Or, or you know, what's wrong with me that he's not ejaculating? Um, so it, it can be a really powerful thing to process those stories intentionally by making the decision right by consciously making the decision to take ejaculation off the table 
if I reflect on like my own experiences I shared before, you know, lots of times I'd, I'd be drinking, I'd be uh, overly drunk and couldn't ejaculate because of the, the booze in my system. Um, that was a very unconscious way of bringing up those stories, not only for me, but for my partner as well. So you can, you can do that intentionally. You can say, hey, let's take ejaculation off the table. Let's take you know, a, the goal out of it and let's just enjoy the process. Let's enjoy being with one another and see what else there is for us to explore. That's just um, you know, a really easy and simple way of starting to open up and, and broaden your definition of what sex kind of looks like and what sex can, can include and, and doesn't have to include as well. And this is where that whole idea of like calling it foreplay is that outdated mentality, because if that could be your sexual experience, it could be all those things. So when we hear foreplay, we might be talking about, you know, nibbles on the neck and all this kind of stuff. And I know um, my wife has gone down the road of exploring um, all kinds of different courses and stuff like this on sexual, uh, sacred sexuality and this kind of stuff. And they've talked about earlobe orgasms and you know all these other kinds of things and like okay well if all of a sudden now you can even have now like it's a new thing (laughs) (laughs) but now we're talking about you know earlobe orgasms or neck orgasms and all this kind of stuff if we think of what we would typically consider foreplay of like maybe some gentle kisses on the neck and stuff like that like this isn't something to take lightly now we're talking about you know some pretty hot and heavy kind of stuff and i think recognizing especially when we start taking the uh, idea, like we talked about earlier, that every individual is so unique. You have people that maybe have different kinds of conditions. So their bodies are different or hormones are different. And maybe uh, for trans people, they're in transition and there's a hormone situation. So there's not going to be, you know, sexual encounters in the way that we, we see it as being our sexual experiences in the way that we would typically think of it in terms of like, when we start understanding that we're just so unique, that's when we can have so much fun with it when we take some of those goals off. And I remember mm. um, in college, I had like an open, I, I always was meant to be a coach. I just didn't know it. So in college, uh, I had an open door policy. People can come in and chat with me about whatever. And uh, one time I had this guy come in and he said, you know, he was having a hard time. He, there's this woman, he was, um, he's very into her and he thought that he had won the lottery he finally like got to go on a date with her and everything and it came to the point where it was you know time to get it done and they they start getting things underway and he just couldn't even get an erection and he just felt like he wasn't you know man enough and all this kind of stuff and one of the big things that really came up because i ended up talking to the woman in this encounter as well is First of all, my mind was just really opened up to the idea while well, we always blame ourselves, no matter even if it's the same example. So he blamed himself for not being able to do what a man should do in that situation and be able to get an erection. And like you you talked about, she started blaming herself for not being able to give him this erection and all this. But then because that goal mentality and the pressure put on that, they get ready to go for their second date. And now in his mind, it's like, oh my God, you better work for me now. You better perform tonight. He's talking to his his uh, penis like it's like a um, an adversary that he needs to like convince that he better listen or else kind of thing. And now all of a sudden he's so caught up in his mind that he's not mindfully being with this woman. He's not, you know, he's so caught up that the entire date that was the focus on his mind sitting across mm. from her at the table at dinner and everything. He was thinking about that. Like I asked him a couple of times, like, do you even remember the conversations that you had during dinner? 
And for the most part, it was no. He was so caught up. And so when time came at that end of that date, he couldn't perform again. And it happened three times and he couldn't look at her. He couldn't face her anymore. And then it ended. That was the that was the extent of whatever relationship they may have had. And it just speaks so much the pressure that we put on ourselves, it, no matter which side of the coin you're on, because either I should be doing something more for you or I'm not enough of this and so on and so forth. And it's it just seems like it's such, it just seems like it's too much work. <laughs> just <laughs> why are we doing this to ourselves? It seems like we just put so much on our shoulders and in a world where you know you go to work and you're faced with expectations you you go you know now look at everything going on with coronavirus but there's um things that we should and shouldn't be doing being told to us everywhere we go and then even in some of our most intimate relationships where we think like okay this is the person i've chosen in say like a monogamous relationship this is the person i've chosen to spend my life with and i've spent years getting to know them and yet here comes time where this could be this beautiful expression of connection and there's still so much pressure, so much expectation and all this that we're even mm -hmm. bringing into something as beautiful as connecting on that level. Yeah, man. Yeah, we've got this like really linear way of thinking about sex and sexuality and our sexual experiences. You know, we, we kind of go A, has to lead to B, which has to lead to C, right? Or like erection has to lead to penetration, which has to lead to ejaculation. And if it doesn't happen in that order, then, oh God, a whole world falls apart because that's what it quote unquote should look like, right? We should ourselves a lot when it comes to sex and, and what sex um, is supposed to look like. So, and, and just kind of circle back to your um, question around foreplay. It's like, you know, we, we kind of frame foreplay as, you know, as part of that linear model. Like it's, it's like, Okay, we do the foreplay, tick, now that's done. Let's transition to the next part, which is like, I don't know, you know penetration. It's like, boom, tick, that's done. All right, now let's move on to the next part, which is ejaculation and, and then roll over and go to sleep. And now, boom, tick, that's done. Okay, so we've got this really linear way of thinking about sex. But um, if we you know, if we can kind of shift our mindset around sex from being linear to non-linear or even cyclical, we can start to go, okay, well, you know, we can start with B, for example, and then we can move back to A, then we can jump to C, and then maybe we go to B again, and then, oh, well, let's introduce D and E and F, and let's add a whole bunch of other things in here as well. And, you know, and then starting to bring all the things that you would consider foreplay, right? I don't necessarily like the word, because like I, I kind of said before, well, you mentioned it's, it's a bit outdated, um, because it does lend itself to that linear way of thinking about sex. But all those things that you do during foreplay are just as important as the act of penetration itself, the act of intercourse. And by putting one on a pedestal, typically we put penetration on a pedestal, we then tend to think that everything that we did during foreplay is less important or not as necessary or, or um, less uh, whatever it might be. Um, so, which unfortunately can lead to shittier sexual experiences because then we, we fall into that trap of like, okay, if we're not heading towards penetration or if we don't have an erection and we can't penetrate, then, oh, fuck, this whole sex is going to be unsuccessful or it's not going to be, um, or it's going to be embarrassing. Or I'm going to be less of a man because we didn't penetrate or whatever it might be. So starting to just level the playing field with regards to like all sexual experiences, whether it be, you know, oral, digital, um, just making out or massage or, you know, phone sex or everything, you know, with regards to our sexual experience um, can be, really beneficial for for couples particularly when it comes to having their 
sexual needs met and having their sexual needs fulfilled like imagine if in that scenario these uh the your your friend and and this other person were able to like still explore each other's bodies and still experience pleasure even without an erection right that could have been a relationship that that blossomed and when he did feel comfortable the erection did come and then he was able to actually you know have penetrative sex and and do all that sort of good stuff as well so that's something that's really helpful for for couples if their male partner is experiencing some sort of erection difficulty is like by having that broader definition of what sex actually means to you then you can still be sexual with one another even though he doesn't have an erection and um then by virtue of you exploring pleasure with one another oftentimes what will happen is because you're focusing on pleasure and he's out of his head and he's not anxious his erection will naturally come back and then you can start to be penetrative again and then if it does lose a bit of firmness just go back to something else that feels pleasurable for the both of you and then you know just allow that relaxation to come um and and releasing that stress and releasing that anxiety and oftentimes the erection will come back so that's a very easy way of managing some sort of erection difficulty yeah totally and you know we're speaking a lot from the perspective of of the masculine the male uh, all the things that you talked about because that's for the most part our experience and i do plan on having um, a woman to talk about uh you know all of that other kind of stuff from the other perspective but you can take so much of this and transfer it over like i know there's this idea again of like okay well it's time to get to penetrating and well if she's not feeling like she's ready then just add some lubricant in there and then you know you kind of go for it and all this kind of stuff but from some of the stuff that um i've heard from uh, my wife lauren she has her whole untamed goddess platform and everything but some of the studies talk about how like it can take 40 minutes for you know all the internals of uh, what's going on with the cervix and the vagina and everything to be ready to actually receive penetration where instead of looking at it as like okay well okay he's ready obviously so that must be ready so let's just go ahead and and go for it and everything but you're you know what you're talking about is opening up to all kinds of expressions and uh, i remember something that was um really fun because i've read all kinds of relationship books and all this kind of stuff just fantastic things not even just for relationships romantically even sometimes with the books are geared towards that you can learn so much about how we relate with people in general but one of the exercises that was really fun it said uh, make two like just make a master list and have this master list have everything you can possibly think of of things that you can do in a sexual experience and maybe things that neither of you would ever even possibly bringing like playfulness into it put anything you can possibly think of on this list and then keeping that list in the middle of the table have your own little notepad and for each of those ones put like a yes no and a maybe so you do this kind of like off to your side off to the side by yourself and you're checking 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 you're giggling the whole way and then you show these lists to each other and sometimes some pretty surprising things come up but it teaches so much about one you know again these are the people that we maybe have or we feel like we should be the most comfortable with and yet we haven't even talked about some of our our fantasies or some of the things that we like or sometimes we even are too afraid to say some of the things we don't like after years upon years of doing that same thing over and over again but to start bringing that element of like okay so maybe we'll we'll try this or maybe like you said let's just take even though that we've done this for years and it seems like everything's fine in the whole like you know ejaculation penetration all this kind of stuff let's take that off the table Let's have, uh, so in, in my relationship, we have like stages. So it's like, oh, let's have a, a stage 
to date night where it's just like, you know, cuddling up and we'll watch movies and stuff like that just to explore different ways of being intimate with each other. Because I find it so easy to just get into a regular pattern of, okay, well, it's, you know, date night or here we are. It's that time where the stars are aligning and it's time to do this. We're going to do it in the same way, the same, you know, have it look and feel the same way each time. So uh, I'm wondering with the piece, because we're, we're actually just about at that point in time, but if people want to, people want to learn more about what you're doing, because you have so much going on. And I know you have a couple uh, courses coming up and all this kind of stuff, where are people going to best find some of the work that you're doing and the resources that are out there? Yeah, thanks, man. I um, would encourage people to start off at my Instagram page, which is uh, at the Cam Fraser. And I, my intention with Instagram is to be as educational as possible. So like every post that I do, I aim to educate. So I, I usually have this like little guarantees. If you go to my Instagram page and you click on a post, you'll probably learn something new. That's like my little um, tagline, my little strapline for my Instagram. Um, but the the in terms of content and courses and if you want to go deeper with this work i've got two um, offerings at the moment one's called outperform a porn star which is for men and it's all about subverting that performance mindset of sex and actually enjoying yourself and if you could learn how to have you know full body multiple orgasms and actually experience pleasure with your partner when you're having sex you'd already be outperforming any male porn star on screen uh, and then uh, the other course that I have is for women, but it's for women who have sex with men. So it's it's a course about understanding male sexuality and it's called Man Myths. And um, that's a really new offering. It's actually just started yesterday. And um, I'm really stoked about doing something for women because I get questions all the time about how to connect with, you know, women ask me how to connect with their male partners, what's happening if this is going on for like if he's got an erection or if he doesn't have an erection what happens and how do we navigate that so um it's a really uh, i feel really humbled to be able to offer that um, and get some good uh expert guest speakers in there as well uh, and then if you're keen on just getting some free content as well my podcast is probably the other avenue that i would suggest which is called men sex and pleasure which is um yeah a really interesting project and i've had some amazing guests on there so uh, i'd suggest checking that out if you're keen to go down that rabbit hole yeah, I mean, that's great. And I do, I, I think it's really awesome that you are providing this uh, course for women as well. Because I know, again, for myself, my wife is so into learning all the, the latest in the studies for women's sexuality and all this kind of stuff. And I'm fascinated in hearing about all of it. Like everything that I can get from her and all of like her courses that I'm just kind of like looking over her shoulder at and all this kind of stuff. Like it's really fascinating. And the more that we get to know each other, this is the the overarching theme for this entire podcast that I do. But the more that we get to know each other, the more that we understand each other and what's going on in our bodies and everybody else's bodies, like that's how we really start driving compassion and become like this whole universal um, global society of compassionate human beings. And that's what I'm really, that's what I'm really excited about. Because when we can break down these feelings of shame or understand maybe where some of these these difficulties can come from like I just recently learned the phrase sexual dysphoria which is something that I didn't even like consider because of my own perspectives to think that well yeah why wouldn't you feel good after you had sex but if you've been conditioned to think that it's wrong and sex should only be you know for having babies and if you're using birth control then every time that you have sex you feel like you're doing something wrong so you feel dirty inside and all this kind of stuff like the more we can understand each other 
especially when it comes to some of this intimacy, because it's such a taboo topic for people to talk about for some reason, um, the better that we're going to be able to relate and understand each other. So thank you so much for, for doing your part in what um, this utopia I have built up in my brain <laughs> and uh, for joining me on this podcast today. I had a great time chatting with you, Cam. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man, and for using your platform and your podcast to have these types of conversations, because as you said, more conversations need to be had and people aren't really having them. Yeah, thanks so much, mate. I look forward to keeping up on that Instagram channel too. Every time I scroll down, I, I it's a running joke between Cam and I, but um, I'll just scroll through my Instagram and I'll see like, you know, people's dogs in the snow and all this kind of stuff. And then I'll see like the latest in in dildo technology or something. <laughs> pop up on the screen. Like, oh, Cam's up to his... <laughs> but i'm gonna let you go thanks so much mate thanks man thanks thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode of higher potential living podcast if you would like to learn more about higher potential living and the services we offer please visit www higherpotentialliving.com. We offer different online courses, in-person courses, mindfulness and meditation retreats, and we have a variety of different coaches that are there to help you with anything that you might be going through. So please check us out. You can also help support the work we do by subscribing to this podcast anywhere you're listening, and of course, sharing it and telling your friends all about it. Thank you so much and have a great day.